You know I'm gonna get you, yeah, whatever it takes to get there. Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, have you seen the news? Literally before I hit the record button, the breaking news just came through. Um, crazy. Bruce Arians is no longer going to be head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's retiring again moving into the front office, and it is going to be Adam's old friend, Todd Bowles, who is about to win a Super Bowl as Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach with Tom Brady and company. Sometimes I think we're in a good timeline. Sometimes not so much. We're just living in the, we're living in the twilight zone. This is weird former, shit. Former enemies turned friends, Todd Bowles and Tom Brady. Yeah, this is very strange. Not only is it very strange that this is happening now, or not, was, not only is it very strange that this is happening, but the strangest thing is that it's happening now, where free agency is done. Or most the first the first, like the major waves of free agency are done. That, yeah, the, the, the major parts of free agency are done. Yeah. And you know, the quarterback carousel might still be moving because all those rumors of Tom Brady going to Miami which would really just be the, the shit cherry on top of this offseason. It really would be. Really Tom would Brady be, for, two, then... for Tua straight up, who says no? And, you, of course, Baker Mayfield still potentially has to be moved. Jimmy Garoppolo still has to be moved. You have all the dominoes that are going to come via the NFL draft. By the way, uh, NFL mock draft, my second version, is up. TalkingPointSports.com. Go check it out. Thank you. Love you lots. Right. And also you have a scenario where Bruce Arians was probably the guy that was, you know, pitching guys like Leonard Fournette and Ryan Jensen to come back. I guess not. Maybe it was Tom Brady. It was Brady. It's the Brady effect. It's the Brady effect, man. Tom Brady goes to a place. Guys want to play with Brady. I guess so. But I feel I feel like also you have an infinite better chance of winning with Tom Brady at the helm versus I not under, with Tom Brady. I understand. Ryan Jensen could have made more money. He was offered more money by the Bengals to go sign for the Bengals and play there, but instead took less money to stay in Tampa Bay with Brady. Confirmed. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 just that that Brady effect. So I don't I don't. I don't necessarily think it's going to move a lot of needles necessarily because, again, they're promoting in-house. It's Todd Bowles. The players know Todd Bowles. I, I think really the question that I'm going to have is, does Todd Bowles now, does he play both parts? Does he become, is he defensive coordinator as well? Is he defensive play caller as well? Or is he just going to be head coach and one of the assistants gets promoted? That we don't know yet. That we, we don't know what the defensive uh, succession is going to look like there, but we know what, we know what the uh, succession is for the head coach. It's one that's been speculated for a while, was that when Bruce Arians was ready to hang it up, it was going to be Todd Bowles, and it proved to be correct. And Todd Bowles had the opportunity to take the Jacksonville job last year before they hired Urban Meyer, took himself out of the running for that job, and now it's proven to be that that was the, the right move. Because now he's going to get at least one year 
to coach a team that is ready to win the Super Bowl and is probably, if not one of the front runners, to win the NFC. And I think that a name that could be interesting is uh, Casey Rogers, the defensive line coach, who also uh, did some play calling when he was on the defensive staff for Todd Bowles when he was head coach of the Jets. And so that should be an interesting name to watch going forward. Yes, they think very highly of Casey Rogers in Tampa Bay as well. So that wouldn't be a surprise to me. That was one of the names that I had thought of right away was potentially Casey Rogers stepping in as defensive coordinator. With Todd Bowles, of course, overseeing the entire operation now that he is that he is head coach. Right. But it's, it's interesting to see how that kind of dynamic works out because also Byron Leftwich as well. He's yeah. still there. Yep. Uh, the, also... offense, the offense will, will, will be the same. You know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that much turnover there, which I think, I think now, now that there's no Bruce Arians, if you did not have Byron left, which that would have been a lot of turnover. But I think the fact that, you know, you have a defensive coach that can continue to do what he did last year with the defensive unit. And you have Byron left, who's an offensive coach who, you know, is, st- is with the same offense from a year ago. I think that's, that's pretty pretty big to have that sort of continuity there. And I think now the next big question with, with Tampa Bay, uh, just the only question really offensively for Tampa Bay is, is Gronkowski going to come back? And from the uh, last word that I heard about Gronk is that it's a real 50, 50 as to whether or not he is going to come back, which to me, to me is a, is a surprise to be quite honest. I, I thought for sure it was going to be shooing that Gronkowski would be coming back with, with Brady but it's, it, it is a true 50-50 at this moment in time. So if you want any more info on this and a more in-depth discussion on what this means for the Bucs and Tom Brady and maybe even the Bucks defense, uh, you can listen to Jake and Bird talk about that on the Fantasy Show next week. Yes. Because I'm sure Jake has some opinions on this. I'm sure that he is going to be lighting up Twitter. Jake has opinions on a lot of things. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. But let's get into our deep sleepers. What is oh, your deep sleeper? Deep sleeper time. Um, you want, so you want me to go first, huh? I mean, I can go first if you want. I mean, I'm not used to going first. I'm used, I'm used to everybody else going first. I've never gone first before in this. It feels it feels nice. It feels empowering. Okay. Thanks for um, making this weird, but sure. Welcome. Why not? It feels, it feels empowering. Uh, deep sleeper. House of the Dragon. We finally have a release date for the... Game of Thrones spinoff from HBO, August 21st. With the day after my birthday. Yes. Yes. Everyone gets a birthday treat, courtesy of Adam. Well, a day late. but like Day so. late, but hey, day late, dollar short. Yes. It's coming. And I am quite excited because I forget, I forget the man's, uh, the actor's name, but there's an actor in there who played um prince who was who who's queen elizabeth's uh husband what's what's his name queen elizabeth yeah yeah is prince... her name actually queen elizabeth no 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 no. i'm talking about the actual queen like the legit queen oh, oh i thought it was that you were talking about game of thrones like oh is this like a like a joke? oh no 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 i'm trying to think of the guy um it's not andrew no no it's... that's the son 
Is that's it... the sun. And this is terrible because I wa- I wa- I watched The Crown and I and I I don't know. Um, yeah, I couldn't. Oh, I... oh, Philip, Philip. Oh, that's who it is, Philip. Yes. Yeah, I could not Philip. give two less. I could not care less about the British monarchy. You're out of your mind. The Crown is great, but the the actor who plays Prince Philip in The Crown is in the leading role uh, for this. I think I think it's uh, Matt Smith. I think is the name. I think, it's, I think it's his name. He's very he's very good in the crown. Or Matt was Smith. very was very good in the crown before they do their usual turnover of 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 cast and characters. But uh yeah. yeah. I think Matt Smith is the guy who played Doctor Who. Possibly. Is Possibly. He... That could be the guy. Oh, it is the same guy. Yeah, yep. he played the doctor in like a couple like when I was in like when we were in high school, he was the guy who played the doctor on Doctor Who. Yes, and, and he's a very, very good actor. So I'm, he is a good I'm, actor. I'm quite excited to uh, to have this kick off August 21st. I'm 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 ready. I'm ready. This is. I think a lot of Game of Thrones fans they were they were they felt very let down. I know I was one of them. Uh, very let down by the the last season and a half of the show. I think this is going to be maybe a little bit of a, of a redemption, but I'm a little worried that maybe the expectations are just so high for this. But then again, it is HBO and anything that HBO puts out is top notch. I know. I mean, I've been recently watching succession and it is so oh, good. Oh, succession is great. It's so good. Succession is fantastic. It's and like, the, it's like the white color Sopranos, but with no nudity. Pretty much, pretty much. It's much, it's much cleaner than Sopranos. Uh, but when you're when you're done with Succession, your next trip to go down is I don't know if we if you've watched it. I I feel like I've talked about this with you or with somebody. I don't I don't know. So if, if I'm preaching to you, I'm very sorry if you've seen this, but I don't think you have. Have you Have you watched Boardwalk Empire? I haven't. That show was on like Stars. Adam. Adam. Uh, yes, I think it is. That's probably why I didn't watch it. Oh, Boardwalk is. Oh, my God. Boardwalk is amazing. See, the funny thing is, amazing. so when that show was first, like when I first saw glimpses of that show, I had no idea that Steve Buscemi was like. He had a role on The Sopranos and like he wrote or directed the Pine Barrens episode. So like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is Steve Buscemi doing in this crime TV show? This is yes. ridiculous. I have only known him as a comic relief character, like Donnie and the Big Lebowski and Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs. And I forgot his name in Armageddon, but yeah. Oh, was, oh um, Armageddon. Armageddon is great. Oh, great what? I haven't seen Armageddon in years. Oh, what's his freaking name? And what's the character's name in Armageddon? Um, oh my God, Adam. Either way, I was just it's like, it's gonna come to me. I was just like, there's no. I way don't want to look it. Work. I, I don't want to look it up either. Okay, well, that's fine. We can I'm, go, I'm gonna think of it. Gonna think of it. But I was gonna say, you know, it's. I was looking at. It, I was like, there's no way this is gonna work. Steve Buscemi. He's a comic relief character. It's like if you put like Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell in like a serious role, like it just doesn't work. But from what I've heard, it's worked really well. 
Rockhound. Rockhound. And honestly, Steve Buscemi is kind of a comic Steve Buscemi's character in Armageddon. Okay. That's it. He's kind of a comic relief character in The Sopranos also, a little bit. Oh, he absolutely is. But he could, he could be a uh, a high-quality drama actor as well. But he he's a good actor. He's definitely a good actor. He has a lot of range. Boardwalk, Boardwalk is incredible. Boardwalk right. Boardwalk was the first show that I honestly, because I, I watched Boardwalk in its entirety before I watched The Sopranos in its entirety. Because The Sopranos, I was, I was really young. Boardwalk was that first show where I was just like, oh, so this is what proper television is supposed to be. And then, and then of course, The Sopranos was, was like revolutionary. That's your inner Carlo Generelli saying this is what TV is supposed to be. What TV is supposed to be is Boardwalk Empire, The Sopranos, and the first season of True Detective. That is, that is just in the first season of Westworld. That is peak television. I recently started rewatching and all of, and all of Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad too. Yeah, I was gonna say like I yeah. just started. I never got it. I never like finished Breaking Bad, so now I'm just gonna watch. I'm watching from the beginning again, and oh. it's so good. Yeah, Breaking Bad is that's a, it's 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 a different level. It really that's a different level of of, of television. But I, I don't. I I think when people compare Breaking Bad to to like The Sopranos, and they compare it to like any any like high quality television show that maybe you could think of it, it's completely different it's a completely different ball game from soprano from the sopranos i don't think they're cable. very comparable because it's on cable yes yes that's fair that's fair so they, they, they're very limited as to what as to what they can do but i mean i mean oh, i don't want to spoil anything maybe as as to see breaking bad so i'm just going to stop talking for now i mean there is nudity in the pilot oh yeah breaking bad yes there is Yes, there is. But again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil because I, I know so many people who haven't watched Breaking Bad from start to finish, and I just say to those people, you are just absolutely uncultured swine. It's really weird though watching that on Netflix, and then you're like, oh, actually, and like sometimes the show, like they have the breaks are still in, are still in there, but obviously it doesn't go to commercial. Right, right. So it, just fade, like, it just fades to black, and it's like, ew, the cuts. It's like, oh, right. Ew, ew, the cuts. All right, Adam. But yes. Your deep sleeper, please enlighten me. My deep sleeper is working from home. Off! No! Let's not go back to that, please. No, well, I'm at my job, I'm hybrid. If I could work from home, I wouldn't be out in Utah. I'll tell you that. Fair point. That's a fair point. If yeah, if I could do that full time, I would not be here. But um, yeah, working from home. When you have the option to work from home is way better than just having working from home being forced upon you or having all of one. You know, I like a little bit of balance in my life because there are some days where I'm just like, man, I really like balance. No, I never do that about you. Yeah. I'm a very, you you like consistency. (laughs) I'm a very medium soda kind of guy. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. See, this is going to sound very, this is going to be just me waxing lyrical, but I don't know. People, people ask me all the time. It's like, you know, you don't work in an office. You don't, you don't go in and, and like converse with other people. You know, it must be lonely when you're just, you know, at my desk, you know, doing what I do during the day and, 
all that. Well, number one, I mean, I go, I, I, I talk to people. I just talk to people through a screen. I don't have to be face to face with people. So like no one has to see the fact that I'm in shorts right now. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable. All people have to see is my, my top half and, and I can look presentable when I, when I, when I want to, it's number one. And number two, I just don't really like people that much. I mean, I love all you people. I love you, Adam. I mean, you're my work husband, but I, I genuinely, I generally just don't really like people. I really don't. So it's like any opportunity that I have to be just isolated. It's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, in, in, in like a, a very weird sadistic sort of way. It's like, you know, when I had, when I had COVID, it was like, oh, wow. I, I, I get to be isolated from humanity for 12 days. It's kind of nice. But then by like day six, I was like, okay, get the fuck out of here, please. Well, I think it's different also because you, you have Matt and Donna and you still have interaction for like meals and stuff like that. And like, you see them around the house. For sure. me, I feel like if I, cause I live by myself yes, and so it's a little different. It's a little different. Very fair. Where if I'm working from home, I'm by myself. And sometimes it's nice to be able to kind of like talk to somebody like immediately, you don't have to like send a Slack message or whatever. Like, Hey, can we uh, sync up on this? Can we get up on a Google meet or whatever? Yes. So it's nice to just, you know, pop into somebody's office and ask them something. See, that's the way to them. that's like the other caveat to it is when you need something done, like what I, I know for me, when I need something done ASAP, I need to call somebody. I, I need to call or I need to talk to them face to face. That's just the way that I am. I, I don't, if I need something urgent, I'm not texting. There, there's no chance or I'm not putting it in a Slack or discord or anything like that. No, 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 no. I'm calling or I'm, I'm going up to that person and be like, Hey, I need this done ASAP. That's, that's just me. That's just the way that, that I conduct my business. But if it's not urgent, I'm going to go out of my way. I'll text. And also it's kind of nice. Like if you're going up to the break room, getting like a can of soda or like a cup of water or something, you just like, you know, run Spit into people. Shit. No, you know, you just talk to people and just like, if you see somebody, cause like, it's even weirder in my office because the podcast room. So I had a, I'm sure I've said I edit podcasts for a living. And so the podcast studio is on the first floor and that's where like my team is. And then everybody else is on the second floor of the building. So it's kind of annoying sometimes when like everybody else is working from home and I'm there because there's a recording that day or something. And so it's nice being able to like go upstairs and see whoever else is there. And like, sometimes they do stuff in the office for the people that are there. Like today, even though I was working from home today, they did bring in, like they ordered in some cookies from uh, this like cookie delivery place where you get like specialty cookies. Oh my God. Like that. See, I said, now you're talking my kind of language. You're talking that fat man language. I like that. We have like potlucks also like every like month or so for different holidays and things like that. So yeah, I mean, there are, there are benefits and drawbacks to being in the office and working from home, but working from home in general, which is my deep sleeper, because working from home is so nice where you don't have to wake up as early. You just hang out in bed. You the can commute like, is 30 seconds away. The commute is literally 30 seconds away. If I'm working from home, I can literally, I can legitimately 
eat breakfast, play video games for like 15 minutes and then go into work or then log into my computer. Literally. Like that's, yeah. Obviously was... that's not a thing. Uh, if you're going into the office, I was going to say, I mean, that's what I know a lot of, a lot of people that I know do that are, you know, hybrid is they'll get up, they'll log into their you know computer at nine o'clock. They'll go shower. They do what they do, what they'll have to do, take a 15 minute shower. And then they'll be at their desk, you know, ready to work at nine 30, even though the day starts at nine or eight. And then it'll be, they'll, you know, be at their station at eight 30, whatever it may be. Well, I mean, I have a, I have a meeting at nine every day where we go like go over stuff that we do, but like basically I'm like out of the shower by eight, 10, eight, 15. Then I eat a little breakfast. And the great thing is also, you don't have to make lunch. You just make right. lunch during your lunch break. So like that saves time there. So by like 8 30, 8 45, I'm just like, oh, I'm playing video games now. Right. You know, until work starts. Until so work starts. And, and, then, and yeah, then and then you go, uh, you go do your deed and then you get off work and you come on a podcast with me. Right. And then the other thing your work is, husband. Uh, whatever. I'm not gonna say that, but Adam, Adam, please stop denying our love. It's very insulting. The other well, anyway, the other way is also great. Or the other aspect of it is also great where you don't have to commute home at five o'clock. You can just be like, close the laptop. We're done. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like a little easier to stay later when your work is like right there. And just like, I got to finish this one thing. But after that, you know, it's just like you close your laptop and then you can go out and do whatever you want. Correct. And you have the you have your the your life is in the palm of your hands. You can do whatever you want. I mean, listen, I don't have a, like a super long commute where like I'm not commuting doing the equivalent of commuting into the city every day. I was I was gonna say. I mean, there's no there's no real rush hour for you. I mean, is there is it like traffic? It's a ten minute walk to work from where I live. It's not bad at all. No, I mean there are people in my office that commute an hour to work, and that's so for disgusting. Them, I can imagine that working from home is really nice and. Those people have started working from home more often just because the commute is kind of rough and gas prices and all that. Yeah, gas prices. You're telling me about the fucking gas prices. Jesus. But anyway, let's get into baseball. So I'm wearing my wonderful Pete Alonzo Mets jersey that I got for my birthday. And Bird is wearing the jersey of a horrible cheater. Oh, who God. Not, who does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. You mean the greatest Yankee of all time. Who is also a shitty broadcaster in addition to being oh, for a dirty God's player. sake. Your standards of broadcasting are terrible. Ugh. God. It's not my fault that the Mets are, have the greatest broadcasters in Major League Baseball. Oh, for God's sake. Enough. Ugh. Ron Darling makes me want to puke. Unbelievable. I hate Ron. I hate Keith. Coin galleries of Oyster Bay, yeah, they can hold me. No, nothing about Gary Cohen. I like Gary. I like Gary. I, there's nothing wrong with Gary. Okay, I reserve. Well, I, know, ju- I reserve judgment for Gary. I know that you don't like Harry Rose. Oh God, no! Oh, he's a disgusting human being. But he Mets, gave you one the, of the most iconic Ranger calls of all time. Eh, yeah. Sure, but does that mean nothing to you? No, does Stefan Matteo mean nothing to you. It does, but then when you get when you have it followed up by, and this one will last a lifetime, no more curses. This is unbelievable. 
It's a really good Sam Rosen impression. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And JD. And a yeah. little and a little JD sprinkled in there as well. Shout out, shout out Sam Rosen and JD. Love Joe Micheletti, but Sam Rosen and JD. I mean that that that's you know Sam Rosen and JD. You appreciate the classics, so we can be friends. Yes, exactly. They did them dirty. They did them dirty. Oh, they really? For, did. Oh, fuck yeah, they did. I I don't know if I'll ever forgive the Rangers for for how they they did JD that dirty and Jeff Gordon. Because I truly despise Chris Drury, but that's that, that's that's for a conversation for another day. Well, I mean, luckily they both landed on their feet, really. Oh, Jeff Gordon! Jeff Gordon is going to have the Montreal Canadiens in a Stanley Cup final in the next ten years. And John Davidson just is back where where he was before. Yes, yeah, and he said he said when if he was ever going to leave Columbus, it was only going to be for either St. Louis or the Rangers. And he got, he got his promise. He got his He was he was relieved of his duties in New York by some bullshit, and he went back to Columbus. I, I I'll just instead of blame, in blaming Jim Dolan for everything, which is very very easy to do because he's very very easy to blame for a lot of things. I'm just going to blame David Quinn. I'm going to blame Glenn Sather. Another very easy candidate to shoulder blame on. I like that. I like your way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. He just how could you he, whatever that's besides the point just let's talk about baseball sure baseball is exciting because yeah, baseball the, is very exciting the both of our teams have some serious upside heading into this season some more than others and also key point our fantasy baseball league is starting up again yeah yeah it's exciting I don't I, think I've, I've been this excited. Well, not since last last season. I was very excited for for baseball, but this season I'm in, I'm very excited to see what the Mets do, and just baseball in general because of all the all the players that moved that moved and changed teams and all the trades that happened. Because this was a probably one of the more active free agencies since you know in the past couple of years, really. Fast moving. That's not moving. just free agency, just trades in general, where you had, you know, mainstays on their certain teams changing changing hats. Yep, yep. My love, Freddie Freeman, forming Fucking, Mur- Murderers him. Row 2.0 in, in in LA. Carlos Correa going to Minnesota. Yeah, a lot of a lot of moving parts. So, who are the Yankees going to scapegoat now for their poor performance? Now that Gary Sanchez has been traded. Uh, definitely no doubt about it, Josh Donaldson. No doubt in my mind. Because I with, agree. When with I was the usual at, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone blame. Because that, that's a very easy one. Because when I was working at the fan, there is no player that callers hated more than Gary Sanchez. Oh, yeah. That, unfairly. I, I, I agree. I will, I will add. Very unfairly, because I don't think Gary Sanchez was the reason why the Yankees were just dreadful. Was he a big part of the Yankees' defensive problems? Yeah, absolutely. But tell me where you're going to go find a hitter that plays catcher and is going to launch 30 home runs on a good year. You're not going to find one. You're not going to find one in baseball. Simple. I mean, it's Salvi Perez. And that's it. 
Maybe, maybe if James McCann bounces back, there's there's another guy. There's another guy that I have in mind as well, but I, I don't want to spoil it because uh, he is listed in one of my yeah, one of my superlatives superlatives here. So uh, I'm just gonna stop talking. Before I mean, Christian I, Vasquez is a pretty good hitting catcher. Yeah, Christian Vasquez is a pretty good hitting catcher. JT Realmuto, you know, he'll sniff 30 home runs, but I think he's more of like a 2025 home run guy now. Yeah, I mean, maybe Wilson Contreras. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, Gary Sanchez, he just has that raw power that, I, I honestly, I don't think many other catchers do, but I don't know if where his best fit now is just to be a, a, a DH, but we'll see. Best of luck to him in uh, in Minnesota, and I, I have no doubt that he's going to find his footing in, in Minnesota. I have no doubt in my mind. You know, it's nice that you brought that up with the DH because now the DH is in both leagues. And before we get into picking division winners and World Series and awards and all that sort of thing, how do you think the universal DH is going to affect how teams – it's already – we've already seen kind of how it affects how teams do business. We have a lot of old guys on their last contract signing in, in the NL when they probably wouldn't have. Nelson Cruz, prime example. Yes, even though Albert Pujols played with the Dodgers, but now there's more of a surefire spot for him in the lineup with the Cardinals, which is sure. just a great story. Yeah, I agree. Last season, gets to go on his last ride with, with the team that made him and brought him up. Yeah, I think it's a great, great, great story. But I think that like, as far as either in-game management or lineup decisions, how much do you think teams are going to be using this flexibility with the uh, DH where – I mean, obviously, we saw it a little bit in 2020 where it worked. It was great for the Mets because we basically have two first basemen. Yeah. In Dom Smith and Pete Alonso. And we were able to essentially either DH, most of the time we DH Pete Alonso because Dom Smith at that point was the better defensive first baseman. But now it's kind of interesting how we can use, how not just the Mets, obviously, but how other teams can use that for days off. And, you know, getting marginal contender or marginal players into the lineup. And it's just interesting to see how, how this is going to work. And also this basically means that pinch hitters are almost are like on the endangered list. Now pinch hitters and double switches, obviously double switches are basically never going to happen anymore, but um, pinch hitters are, might be going extinct soon. There's always going to be a, a role for, for pinch hitters uh, for, for sure. You know, if you have a, a guy that's batting, you know, bottom, you're in bottom nine and you have like someone like, I think for, you know, I'm going to use my Yankees bias here, but you have someone like Kyle Higashioka that really isn't your most reliable hitter in the world. And you, and then you have some pop on the bench that you could bring in then, then yeah, then, then that's when the pinch hitter can, uh, can definitely apply. But uh, going back to the original question of, how you know is this going to be utilized i just look at a team like i look at a team like the mets and i think you know for the longest time before we had the universal dh come into practice there was the big question of okay which met is going to be dealt first dom smith or jd davis now teams are not going to have that problem now teams are going to be able to pick and choose which guys they want there's going to be more emphasis on rotation so maybe guys that normally you would see get just a day off altogether. Now you can get them sort of a half a game where, you know, if you wanted to put Pete Alonzo 
uh, give him half a day. You can have him DH and just take him out of the field entirely. That's absolutely on the table. There's a lot of different things that now the, the, the universal DH can really help uh, National League clubs do that normally, you know, when you had the pitchers going, you, you couldn't really do. So I think the universal DH is just, it's been something that's been long overdue uh, for baseball. And I'm so happy it's finally, you know, coming to fruition and we're going to get uh, more, I guess, more competitiveness with lineups as well in the national league. Cause I mean, really, yes, it's exciting to see the pitchers hit. I know, I know people get really, really excited about that, but who really wants to see the pitchers hit quite honestly, you're, you're, I do. you're, you're, you're crazy. You you are a baseball dinosaur. Nope. Nobody wants to see the pitchers hit. Nobody. It's always, well, it's always fun when you see pitchers, you know, get on base and things like that. You know, speaking of that also, I think this is also going to change how like, like hooks for managers as far as when they're going to take out pitchers, because when in the national league, because, you know, I watch a national league ball club and I'm, I'm really familiar with how this works and everybody that watches the national league more than the American league knows that, it's an easy out for a manager to take out a pitcher when his spot is due up in the order. And it's like, Oh, well, we can just bring in a pinch hitter here. We have a guy warming up at the bullpen. Now you're really going to have to think more about how that's going to work as far as um, when you're taking out your pitcher and you won't have that kind of easy out anymore. I mean, it probably changed. It might not change anything, but also it could change a few things. And it would also be interesting with the double switch not being there anymore. And the reason why the double, sw- the double switch isn't going to happen anymore is because you could just put in a defensive replacement. And then that does the, that does, that accomplishes what the double switch really does accomplish with virtually no drawbacks. Yeah. But at, but at the same time, I, I think, you're going to have the baseball dinosaurs such as yourself that are going to say, oh, the, but the pinch hitters and the double switches, they're, you know, they're, they're going to go. But you need to also modernize baseball a little bit. And I don't want to say it's going to maybe speed the game up because I think that's always, that's always just kind of been a problem is, you know, pace of play when it comes to, to baseball. But maybe you see a little bit of an increase when it comes to that. Maybe you see games go a little bit quicker if there is lesser usage of pinch hitters and double switches and, and, and things like that. Maybe that's like, maybe that's, you know, grasping at straws a little bit, but I mean, you could be helpful. I don't think so. I mean, it doesn't really change anything as far as the time is concerned. No, I, I think it would be minimal probably. Cause most pitching changes, at least unless it's like, obviously in the middle innings, but like most defensive substitutions happen before the inning starts, you know, unless there's an injury that happens, you're not in a scenario where, you're sending somebody out into the field in the middle of an inning. So that's true. It doesn't doesn't really change things in that regard. No, you're right. You're right. I'll I'll, I'll give you that one, Adam. You're, you are right. For a change. Thank you. It's not going to change my thoughts on a road though. He still sucks. Yeah. God. So, would you like to start with the superlatives first, or you want to start with our uh, division of World Series picks first? You know, let's start off with the superlatives. Okay, I'll give it that. 
I think this is where we're going to have more of the interesting debates, I think. I think so. All right. So where do you want to start? I am going to start with the teams that surprise you the most. Oh, um, you want me to go first? Sure. I'm going to say San Francisco Giants. Uh, I'm going to say that there are a lot of people who... In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. In a good way. Uh, I think the San Francisco Giants are going to basically be a contender in, in, in the National League. And I think they're going to score 800 plus runs again. And people are going to start to take the Giants seriously. I, I, I don't, I don't think... surprised though. I mean, they I won 107 so. games. They won the division. They won 107 games last year. I think the people that are, there are a lot of people saying, can the Giants do it again? And when you have the Dodgers there, you have the Padres that are reloaded. Granted, they are going to be without Tatis for maybe the first quarter, if not half of the year. I think, I think the Giants are here to stay. That's the surprise is that people are expecting the Giants to just completely fall off a cliff. I don't think so. I think the Giants are here to stay. And I think they're going to, they're going to push the Dodgers in the National League West. So that's my surprise is the Giants continue their offensive output from a year ago, score 800 plus runs again, and they push the Dodgers in the National League West again. Interesting, because, yeah, they did lose two very impactful players, mainly in the offseason, where Buster Posey retired and then Kevin Gossman signed with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, they also lost the half-year rental in, in Chris Bryant, but that yeah. that also, you know, that really wasn't going to go to fruition. I, I did not think Chris Bryant was going to really resign there to begin with. And given the contract that he got from the Rockies, I mean, woof. I know. Big money. Yeah. My surprise, I could go very biased here. Because and it might not even be a surprise because I think the Phillies still are going to be pretty terrible. They might still be like mediocre. The bullpen, like they didn't really fix anything with the bull, with the bullpen. If anything, they got worse. <laughs> I I think so. I think they probably uh, statistically maybe they might have one of the worst pitching staffs collectively in in baseball. That's including Aaron Nola, who, who and Zach I, Wheeler, who I love, and, and Zach Wheeler, yeah. I mean, Zach Wheeler could have won a could have won the Cy Young last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was that good. He was that good for them. And they still were very mediocre. And I don't know. I mean, some people would say that the Phillies bullpen last year was kind of an aberration, where they just blew an inordinate amount of games. But well, Hector, Hector Neris is just bad. Yeah, but I feel like yeah, the offense just can't carry them constantly. And I don't know. I I don't see it from the Phillies. I, I I would I would happen to agree. I would happen to agree. I think there's a lot of you can't expect Bryce Harper to be the guy, right? You can't expect him to do what he did last year again. So I would happen I, I would agree. I would agree that I think that the Phillies there is regression there on top of the regression that they had a year ago because again i don't think the phillies have improved all that much if at all they signed an okay dh player or outfielder in nick castellanos good good not great i mean i'm I'm also not a big castellanos guy so 
I mean, Reese Hoskins might bounce back because he was hurt for a lot of last year and he was slumping for the other part, for the part that he wasn't hurt. He was slumping. So, see, now that's, that's a guy that I, that I do love. That's a guy that I do love. And I think there's a, a lot of bounce back potential for, for Hoskins. I mean, Gene Segura is still very good. Uh, JT Riomuto back there at catcher. Like there are pieces there, but I don't know if the Phillies put it all together. And the NL East has gotten a lot better. You know, there, well, I mean, to the Mets have gotten better and the Braves have gotten, have, are still good. So there's going to be very stiff competition. And the Marlins are surging upwards. And the Nationals still have Juan Soto there and they're trying to build something with their young core. So the, the division is going to be harder for the Phillies. And you know, most of your games that you play are in the division. And it's just going to be even tougher for Philadelphia, where offense can't carry you throughout the entire season. I mean, we've seen it with the Yankees all those years where they had really good offense, but the pitching has just been so-so. And they haven't really succeeded in the playoffs or like if they missed the playoffs. Where yeah, it's it's pitching, it's pitching and offense. You can't just have offense and have that be successful. It's like they're like the Maple Leafs of the of MLB. Almost you need you need great pitching to complement very good hitting. You can succeed on really good pitching, yes. Because we've seen it with you could succeed on really good pitching and a good offense, and like an okay offense, you can succeed with mm-hmm. that. Yes, yes. That's a method to the madness. It, it, it works. It's not the best way to do it, but it works. Yep. But, but, but you do want to have that bounce. Yeah. Um, so that's my surprise, but it's a surprise in a bad way. Not a, not a good way. All right, so I, think- I, mean, I, have, I have my disappointment loaded up. Okay. The New York Mets. Four, four, for the reason of, I think there's a lot of expectations on this Mets team, and I don't know if they're going to be able to live up to it. Jacob DeGrom is a massive health concern. Can can we agree? Yes. Chris Bassett has had his own injury issues as well. So that's two guys that you're. There was a freak accident, though, that happened with him. But he's also had, he's also had his fair share of bumps and bruises but yes the the obvious one was a was a freak injury but even then you could you can look at Bassett's numbers and you could say that you know he's a good strike he's a good strikeout pitcher he'll get you your wins he'll be a 15 win guy probably probably his ceiling is being a 15 win guy my main concern with the Mets is that is the lineup that they have I don't know if that lineup is super sustainable to push even a team like Atlanta. I think Atlanta's lineup one to nine is still better than the Mets. Whereas the pitching, the Mets clearly have the advantage, especially in their rotation, but one to nine, I still think Atlanta has the Mets beat. I don't know. I think the, the Mets it's tough because they are close. They both have really deep lineups. They both do. I'm not, I'm not saying the Mets lineup is bad by any means. I'm just saying that I think Atlanta 
has that deeper of a lineup. And I think that is, you know, one of the reasons why Atlanta potentially has a chance to, to win, to win this division. And I think well, that might, it, that might be at the end of the day, what may, what may put them over the top. Now, now obviously there are still concerns about Atlanta and, and, and their, and their closer. I mean, they haven't had a good closer in God knows how long, and they've decided now that they're going to give Kenley Jansen the chance to become the guy to close out games for them. And we've oh God, God bless them. If, uh, if that's, if that's the way that they're good, that they're going to go, or if they're going to stick with Will Smith. Um, I think they also signed Colin McHugh as well. So there, there are enough, there are enough options there in that, in that bullpen to get you through seven, eight, nine, and you just have to have your starters get you through six. So I think that that will be enough, but I think for the Mets, the, the disappointment is not from the fact that I think the Mets are going to be bad because I don't think they're going to be. I just think the expectations are so high for the Mets that inevitably those expectations are just not going to be met. And that's where the letdown happens. Well, we'll see with the wild cards and the division winners where you're predicting. Yes. Uh, My disappointment is outside of the East coast, outside of the Eastern time zone. It's the Texas Rangers. Hmm. Okay. That's a good shout. They spent all that money on Corey Seager and John Gray. And this screams of a team that wants to, that truly really wants to accelerate the rebuild, but they really can't accelerate the rebuild because, you know, they have good prospects coming up, especially Jack Leiter, you know, who they picked. They spent an incredibly high draft pick on. He's, He's a stud. Right. He's a stud. And, you know, Adolis Garcia had a great season uh, last year. They have a couple good players. You know, Nate Lowe is okay. Um, but I think Texas, it's kind of papering over the cracks. They're not really doing anything to lead to sustain, to say, well, they're not doing anything to lead to sustained success. And you know, we'll see what John Gray looks like pitching outside the friendly or unfriendly confines of course field. And Corey Seager is another guy that has injury issues and has had injuries. Like he's been played by injuries throughout his career. He had to have Tommy John surgery yeah. as a shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Well, so did Didi Gregorius and I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Didi. Well, I'm just saying injuries are a big factor in Corey Seager's career. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Dodgers, he was with the Dodgers and they tried to supplant him with two different shortstops while he was either injured or underperforming where they have, they have Gavin Lux, who is their top prospect shortstop. And then they traded for Trey Turner. Who eventually did the job and and usurped him. Right. Well, I mean, he was playing second base also for a good part of the, a good portion of the season after he got traded there, but yes. Yeah. But the plan, the plan was always going to be Trey Turner at short and then Gavin Lux at second. That was always the the clear succession plan for, for the Dodgers. But yeah, I think the Rangers are, are a very, very good shout. I think the Simeon contract, I think Marcus Simeon is one of those underrated players in baseball. And I, I think, you know, him, him getting love as um, MVP potential last year. I mean, obviously it was going to be Otani all along. But Simeon getting the respect that he deserved with the MVP voting, I really was like, thank God, because Simeon 
Simi was always one of those players who just never got that proper respect for the for how good he is. And I think he finally got it, and then he ended up getting paid. I mean, remember, he took a one-year deal to sign with Toronto. He gambled on himself that he was going to ball out and that he was going to go get paid, and he did just that. So fair play to him, and I, I think he's got a lot of ball in him. I have concerns with Corey Seager. I, I definitely do. I, I have on record in saying I hope the Yankees don't go out and spend $300 million on Corey Seager. That's just a walking Band-Aid waiting to happen. They didn't do it, thank God. We're gonna see. We're gonna see if, if he if he's able to to hold up. I think that's gonna be the, the primary concern with with Texas as well. You know, do they have the pitching? That's another concern. Do they have the hitting? That's another concern. And they're also in the AOS. So the, the I mean the AOS, you could make you could make a great case that maybe Texas is the fourth best team in the division. Me. Who's last in the AOS? Oakland. Oh, the Angels. The Angels? Uh, no, Oakland. Oakland, yeah. With with the subtractions that Oakland have made and potentially the, the incoming trades of Manaya and Frankie Montas, yeah, it's probably Oakland. Sadly, and I, I, I love Oakland, but yeah, it's probably The Angels done. have two of the best players in baseball on their team. Yeah, but what have they done with them, Adam? Nothing. Exactly. It, it, it's... It's the same vicious cycle with with the Angels. It's the same vicious. I I, I could have put the Angels as a team that was going to disappoint, but honestly, who wants to hear it anymore? Yeah, honestly, Tra- I I actually heard one of the best comparisons I've ever heard. This was months ago, but now that we're talking about the Angels, and because we are football guys, this this one is going to make a lot of sense. Mike Trout is the Christian McCaffrey of baseball. Ooh, yeah. I heard that months ago, and I was like, wow. That's kind of right. Yeah. He, now, Obviously a different level, because people, people will die on the hill that Mike Trout is maybe the best baseball player that's ever lived. People will die on that hill. I'm not one of them. I'm one of them. But people will die on that hill. I mean, no one's going to say Christian McCaffrey is the best running back that's ever lived, but no, he's definitely about, not better than Jim Brown or Walter Payton. Right. But you're talking about, close. you're talking about guys who are top at their, in their respective sports, get paid a gazillion dollars and have been unable to stay healthy and don't play and don't play in games. Well, I think recent years, I would say that, Mike Trout has been that way because he's been hurt a little bit. But when, after when what started, happened, after what happened, yeah, after, after he got paid, after he got paid, after he got paid, it's it's the vicious cycle. Guys that have gotten their money are not going to play through nagging injuries. It's just not going to happen. Versus guys that are looking for their contracts. They have some bumps and bruises. Oh, they're going to, they're going to fucking play. They want to get, they want to get that cash. I don't blame them. It'd be interesting, interesting to see, you know, what the angels do this season, because they've made some kind, kind of service level additions. I mean, they could have also been a disappointment. Like I like this in the Noah Syndergaard signing. 
just because low risk. He is a low risk. And he's a good, he's a good pitcher. You know, I feel like if he hadn't gone down with Tommy John surgery right before the pandemic, maybe the Mets would have been more willing to sign him to a uh, longer term contract, but they have all the, but you know, they have so many other players that they need to sign contracts to or give contracts to, and especially coming off of Tommy John surgery. I mean, Syndergaard was good out, out of the bullpen last year for like the couple of weeks that he was playing, but, or a couple of games even that he was playing, but yeah, I don't know. I think the angel, the angels do have the upside though, that they could be like second place in the division ahead of uh, Seattle. If they can have full seasons from Anthony Rendon, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Syndergaard, you can make a case this is an 86-87 win team. You can, just based on talent and talent alone. Do I think it happens? No. No, I don't. But their, pitch, their pitching doesn't beat Houston's, though. No, 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 no. Houston, Houston are probably a 93-94 win team. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Next one is your breakout star. This is the, uh, the, I made this illusion at the top of the show. And we're talking with Gary Sanchez, who's a guy that could be a 30 home run hitter at the catcher position. It's Will Smith of the Dodgers. I've been a big fan of his for quite a long time. And he had that, he had that mini breakout last year, but I think this is the year, especially when you put him, right in that Dodgers lineup where he just absolutely full-on explodes. And I think Will Smith is a really, really good pick to be a uh, breakout this year. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I thought you were going to say somebody like uh, Jacob Stallings, who is actually a pretty underrated catcher also. Very underrated. Very underrated catcher, yes. You know, his dad used to coach Pitt. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. He was pretty terrible. But I was, I looked at it. The funny thing is, so I was working at LB Network. I was doing a couple of Pirates games and I saw Jacob Stallings. Like, wait a minute, I've seen that face before. His last name is Stallings. He looks just like Kevin. And yeah, that's a lo and behold. Okay. So breakout picks. This is an interesting one. There's, I don't a lot of different, there's a lot of different choices. I, I had a few in my head that I, I wanted to go with, but I, I got to show my boy Will Smith some love and shout out to all my people in Los Angeles, my favorite place on earth. And I don't want to pick anybody on the Mets because that's too obvious. That's yeah, too homery. Because I could just say, oh, yeah, clearly he's great. But I, I would have roasted you for it. So, so I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, very, very proud of you that you, uh, you decided to stay away. Um, my breakout star, honestly, I think it's going to be somebody like, like just somebody who is on an underperforming team. Like let's say Bailey Ober of the Minnesota twins Hmm. starting pitcher. Okay. That's a, that's a, a deep one. Players like that where Teams that people know they're going to be pretty terrible. And I mean, well, the twins might not be terrible, but because they spent all that money on contracts and things like that. But I think that Bailey Ober, when the twins were terrible last year, he had a pretty solid season. And I, 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 the twins is an 82 win team. Yeah. 
So they'll be, they'll be middle of the road. And even like players on players on the Tigers, you know, like Akil Badu, that will be interesting to see if he can replicate what he did last year. Um, Watch out for the Tigers as well. They are sneaky, sneaky. Yep. I think I think another guy that I was uh, close to pointing for breakout was Casey Mize. Yeah, Casey Mize looks really good. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he, he's damn good. He's damn good. And honestly, players on the Rays also. I mean, you can never sleep on them. Never, never. The the Rays just crank out eighty five wins in their sleep. Yeah, exactly. and they'll do it again. They'll do it again, I'm sure. With their army of pitchers like Shane McClanahan and you know, and another Shane, Shane Baz, who could be called up soon. If Tyler Glass now can, can come back and stay healthy. Yep. And that bullpen yep. with uh Nick Anderson and um everybody else. Yeah, well, Nick Nick Anderson was another guy that I also consider for breakout stars because he does not get a lot of love. I mean, not really. I mean, Tampa really doesn't get a lot of love, but then they should because, I mean, the job, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I will say he's the best manager in baseball, but he's one of the – Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in baseball. Yeah. What he does is just unbelievable. If he ever were fired from Tampa Bay, the Yankees better roll out the goddamn red carpet. Launch not- Aaron Boone to the goddamn sun. You know, another player that he kind of broke out last year where he hit a, a ton of home runs, hit really well, but uh, Ryan Mountcastle for the Baltimore mm. Orioles. Good shout. You know, good shout. he could be a guy that if the Orioles still don't think that they're good enough to kind of contend, um, and they probably aren't at this point, they're still waiting for, you know, prospects to come up like Adley Rushman. Well, Adley Rushman's probably going to be up, I would yeah. think. I would and like think waiting for him to find his footing in, in baseball and in the majors, but Ryan Mountcastle could be a guy for like teams looking for first base help. He could be a guy that could be traded at the deadline for sure. Because he's a solid hitting first baseman. Definitely. For sure. And the big story with Baltimore was, you know, the great season that Cedric Mullins had, which no, not discrediting anything. Cedric Mullins, season was amazing. And Trey Mancini coming back after not playing in 2020, uh, getting cancer treatment. But Ryan Mountcastle had a really, really solid season. Yankee in killer. 2021. Yankee killer. Yep. I watched Ryan Mountcastle. Absolutely. He, he would be, at times, the only guy that would do anything of note for Baltimore against the Yankees. Count, countless in the year of our Lord 2021. Yep. So I, I'm going to change mine because Bailey Ober, I don't know. I was just thinking of thinking of names, but Ryan Mountcastle is probably going to be mine. That's, that's a breakout star. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. All right. Biggest disappointment. Uh, you want to go first this one? Um, yeah, I can go first in this one. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Christopher Bryant. Interesting. Because that Rockies team is going to be shit like so bad. Yes. And I mean, Coors Field is obviously going to help them like it does for everybody. And 
I think humidors are being standardized now, so I don't know how much it's really going to help. You know, yes. funny thing is, the Mets use a humidor. Yeah, at City Field. But that's besides the I'm point. almost certain the Yankees do too. But that team is not a Chris Bryant away from being successful. And he might have an okay season, but I think just for the sheer fact of he can't do it himself. And, you know, they traded a player with upside in Ryan Altapia for Randall Gritchick, which honestly didn't make a ton of sense to me. Me neither. Uh, especially a guy that gets on base and steals bases like Ramel Tapia, trading him for Randall Gritchick doesn't, yeah, just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And, you know, the lineup is, they're still, they're still like a year or two away from being contenders. And, and even, even yeah. then the NL West is still, I mean, it's so loaded at the top with the Padres, the Giants, the Dodgers that, you know, really what, even in two years, what can they really do in terms of contention? I mean, you have the you have the extra wild card team now, which I guess helps. But then again, I mean, you still have you're going to have the Braves, the Mets. You're probably going to have the Phillies. You might have the Marlins as well with their up and coming rotation. Mar- the Marlins, uh, low key, they, the Marlins might have one of the best young rotations in baseball this year. So I, I would just be on the lookout for that. The Brewers, the Cardinals. Then you have three teams in in, in, in their own division uh, as well, so you know I, I don't I just don't really see you know where where Colorado is kind of headed in terms of you know how they get back to uh, to premium contention. Um, the biggest bust for me uh, this is a actually actually this was a very easy one. Uh, I think out of all the ones that we filled in, this was the one where I was like, yeah, this is this is the one. It's Robbie Ray in, in Seattle with the Mariners. Signed a five-year, $115 million contract with the Mariners after winning the Cy Young um, for with the Toronto Blue Jays a year ago. Can he do it again? That That's the biggest question that I have. They're paying him like he can do it again. I just don't think he's going to. And that's why he's this, a bust. This screams of overpayment for past success. The the best free agents deals you're paying for their you're you're paying them based on their upside. Yes, you're paying based on potential. You're paying them for future success, not for past success. Because I mean, maybe Robbie Robbie Ray has fixed his mechanics for good in Toronto and he's gonna go to Seattle in a pitcher-friendly ballpark and do well with a solid offense on an up and coming team and do well, but also he could just revert back to um, his, his late day, late Arizona days where he was just not good at all. And I don't know. I think that he might still, he might still even be good. He might just not be as good as people would have thought. And as the Mariners are paying him for. He's always been a high strikeout pitcher. He's always been a guy that has had a higher ERA. ERA was down. The control, the control was down. Walks were down. Wins were up. Strikeouts were about the same at about at about two fifty. Innings were up at one hundred ninety three and a third innings. WHIP was fine, sitting in a, sitting around one, and he left ninety percent of runners on base, which led the major leagues. All those numbers are going to correct themselves. 
a hundred percent. Well, especially that last one. I mean, there's no way that you can do that. Like that, that number is not sustainable. No, it's not. So the question is, what does he regress to? Does he regress to the guy that in 2020 was one in four with a 70 RA and led the majors and walks given up with 31? Or is he closer to that guy that won the Cy Young last year? I, I don't know. I think that's a, it's a major gamble for Seattle to, uh, to take, even though they have an, an opt-out after the third year. It's a, he's got a full no move. So w- what can they do if it doesn't pan out? They're going to be stuck with Robbie Ray for the next three years when they can, they can opt out of that deal when he's 33. Yeah. Honestly, speaking of opt-outs, and I want to find a way to bring this up somehow, but I feel like Twins fans are going to be disappointed when Carlos Correa just absolutely lights it up and then leaves after the first year. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, it's just not going to be. I don't know. Opt-outs and Player opt-outs and contracts are nice. Uh, except after, I don't know, after the first year doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, Trevor Bauer, that contract gets even more hilarious as the days go on. And you know what? And the, Do- and the Dodgers still won't even have to lick their wounds for it, which is quite frankly criminal. Yeah, because fuck Trevor Bauer. He's such a piece of shit. Yeah, not one of my favorite human beings, I have to say. See, before I thought he was just a douchebag, but now he's actually a piece of shit. They're not one of my favorite human beings, for sure. But I do know a lot of people that would have him on the Yankees. Ugh. Hey, you know what? Morality goes out the window when you want to, when you want to chase a championship. We've seen it in the NFL. Just ask Cleveland. Countless. We've seen it done in the NFL countless times. Just ask Cleveland and Dallas and, and Miami. Edmonton, Edmonton in the NHL. Edmonton? Oh, yeah. I forgot that that even happened. That was this year? Yes, with the Vander Kane. That was this year. That felt like a million years ago. Yes, it Yes, it did. Let me tell you. A million years ago. But yeah, biggest bust, Robbie Ray. It's a good call. Thank good you. show. Thank you. All right. So, division winners. Oh, we got to do MVP. MVP Cy Young. Well, I mean... We could do it, you know, well, we could save it for the end because that's when the awards are announced. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's a bullshit scenario that I just made up, but yeah. Okay, I mean, that's, that's fine. That is, that is what it is, but let's you're, go in. You're, you're rig master. Yeah, so division winners. Let's start with the National League. Who do you got winning the East? Uh, I'm going to leave this with very little analysis just so we can get, get a move on. Uh, the Atlanta Braves. Okay. Atlanta Braves win the East. Oh, that little analysis. So no analysis. Very little. Okay. Very little. I mean, I mean, they lost Freddie Freeman. They bring in Matt Olson. The team remains pretty much unchanged. They get Ronald Acuna back. Okay. They, I, I picked the bets because their pitching staff is going to be great. And also, I feel weird picking anybody else in this division to win. Fair. I'd feel very pain. I feel a lot of pain picking like the Braves or the Phillies to win the division because 
No, especially in a year when the Mets are going to be competitive. And I think, you know, just positive regression is going to happen with McNeil and Lindor and Pete Alonso is still going to be great. And now there's going to be more room to get Donald Smith playing time and J.D. Davis as well. And um, Stalin Marte is, is a great addition to play in center field. And now we just need to re-sign Michael Conforto because it's criminal that he hasn't been signed by a team. He's a good hitter. Yeah. He's a good he'll, fielder, he'll, really. He's a he'll plus get signed fielder. by somebody. He'll get signed by somebody, I'm sure. I think he's just been rehabbing that that shoulder that he had surgery on. So I think now, now he'll get that opportunity, I'm sure. Yep. All right. So NL Central, who do you got? Uh, the Brewers. Brew crew. Uh, yeah, that me too. Rotation with uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, what they have in their lineup with Christian Yelich being the focal point. Yeah, Brewers. Well, you got to hope that Christian Yelich – you want to talk about positive regression? I mean, Fair. geez. Yeah, yeah. He needs to have a bounce back in a in a very, very, very big way. But that the Brewers lineup, like they have so many good players. It's so deep. And honestly, they don't even need to have that great of an offense because the pitching is so good for them. Agreed. Agreed. They, don't, they do not have to. Because basically they have the seven, they have the eighth and ninth inning locked down. With Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Correct. And I wonder, I wonder if Hader could be a candidate to be moved. You know, there were there are definitely rumblings about that. There always have been. Because and of Devin Williams. Exactly. Exactly. They have two closers that they can utilize. And I just I really wonder. If something happens with the Brewers, I mean, I, I think they win the Central. I think they're the best team. But if something happens where they regress significantly, would one of them be candidates to be moved? And I, I hope I to mean, God the Yankees would be all over that. I hope, yeah. I, I hope to God. I mean, they're going to win the Central just by sheer fact of their only competition is the Cardinals because the Reds, the Cubs, and the Pirates are all rebuilding. Yes, I have the, I have the Brewers winning. Let's find them my spreadsheet. I have them winning 88 games. 88 games. 88 games. That's a touch less than last year. Yep. That would be good for third place, or I guess second place in the Central last year because they won 95 and the Cardinals won 90. Yep. So you're well, I have, I have pretty- the Cardinals. I have the Cardinals regressing a little bit as well. But the Cardinals, I mean, yeah, I mean, they had that crazy hot streak, and that's really what propelled them into the playoffs at Correct. the expense of the other teams that were chasing the wild card at the time. But that, we won't talk about that. But the Cardinals had a crazy hot streak with really good pitching, and you know, you're always you always want to bet on a team that has Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt playing the corners. Yes, Bird. So uh, just on, the, on what we had at the top of the show, Todd Bowles has gotten a new five-year extension from the Bucks. Well, that's good. Good for him. Good for him. I agree. I agree. But yeah, Brewers, Brewers win the Central. All right. What do you got for the West? Is there any doubt? Is there really any it's doubt? The Dodgers. It's the Dodgers. Yep. It's the, I thought you were going to say the Diamondbacks. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, sorry, oh. sorry, sorry, disappoint. That no, is it, disappointing. It's the Dodgers. Dodgers winning the West. 
Dodgers winning the West at what do I have them down for? 93 wins. You know, the funny thing is, we were just talking about Michael Conforto, and I just saw this tweet from Ken Rosenthal. It's like my phone is listening to me. Uh, I just saw this tweet from Ken Rosenthal saying that he landed irregularly on his right shoulder, diving for a ball during a workout in January, and wanted to get yep. back to 100% before resuming negotiations. Yep, that is what, that's what I was referring to before. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you said it was surgery. He had surgery on it. I thought he had surgery on it. So, okay. I was wrong. I was wrong in that regard. All right. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers are probably going to win the West. Just because. Probably. Yeah. Well, you know, if the Giants and the Padres, the Padres, I don't know what everybody sees in the Padres. That team is based on ceiling. That team is built on ceiling. That's it. There is not a lot of proven success for the Padres outside of Fernando Tatis and Machado, really. No, no Tatis really hurts them. Really, really, really hurts them. And honestly, the I'm always really shocked whenever I see Blake Snell's stats since he won the Cy Young, and he's just an average pitcher. They're appalling. They are appalling. He's not – he's like – I almost call him very overrated. I would probably agree. But again, it shows what the Rays are. When the Rays sell somebody, they're selling somebody because they know something. Look at Chris Archer and look at Blake Snell as your two examples. I mean, as as Greg Kaplan once said, if you're doing a deal with the Rays, don't fucking do a deal with the Rays. Correct. Greg Kaplan is spot on. They know what they're doing. Although it'll be interesting to see what um, the what we see from Mike Clevenger, because that's a guy that was, you know, he had Tommy John surgery and he had that surgery in September of 2020. So we haven't seen him for like a, a year and change now. And um, coming back from Tommy John surgery, you know, obviously it's modern medicine makes it easier, but it'll be fascinating to see what he looks like now. The pitching's going to have to carry them. The pitching is definitely going to have to carry them, uh, at least until Tatis gets back. Which is going to be pretty tough because it's going to be Joe Musgrove and a bunch of guys who you're hoping succeed. Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevinger, and... Oh, who's the last one? He's a lefty. He's a lefty, and his name begins with a D. Denelson Lamette? That's it. That's it. Those are probably the five. Yeah, and then maybe Mackenzie Gore, if they if he ends up getting called up. If he gets called up, yes. If he gets called up. But, I mean, you Darvish was terrible to end the season. And he's like one of the big reasons why the Padres collapsed the way they did. Blake Snell has been average. Um, and Joe Musgrove has been, was really the big bright spot for that pitching staff. And they just had a lot of injuries, just a lot, a lot of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a big way, in a big, big, big way. But I mean, if there's anybody that can make the Padres good and get them to win the division, it's Bob Melvin. Yes, I think so. 
Oh, I wanted him to manage the Mets so bad. And I've won so him, bad. I've, I've wanted him to manage the Yankees a couple times. I'm fine with Buck Joe. I'm fine with Buck though. He's great. But Bob Melvin, such a such a great manager. Agreed. Agreed. He can, as they say in soccer, he can draw blood from a stone. All right, Bird. So let's move on here. And who do you got winning the wild cards? So my first one, I'm going with the San Francisco Giants. Second one, I'm going with the New York Mets. And then the third one, I'm going with the St. Louis Cardinals. All right. I am going with this is a tough one because there are a lot of teams in contention for the wild card. Where yes. you you have based on my division predictions, you have the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins as a dark horse. And then you have the Cardinals, the Reds could be a dark horse, wild card team, and then you have the Giants and the Padres. So that's like five or six teams that are fighting for three wild cards. Um, I think it's Atlanta, St. Louis, and I'm going to say the Giants. Okay. I was literally about to ask you which one from the NL West. I'm like kind of torn between the Giants and the Padres because if the Padres put it together, then they could be a wildcard team. But I think not having Fernando Tatis for half the year at best is going to be a big contributor to them not making the playoffs well to be fair adam if the padres put it together they can challenge the dodgers to the top of the division that's just how good the padres are but the pro- on paper but the problem is that the padres we don't know what team they're gonna be right i mean so. the padres were literally built like an mlb the show team and that is just how aj Preller is like that's how he works as a gm he's like i played mlb the show so i'm going to get all these big name players and expect it to succeed waltman high school graduate aj Preller, my guy Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. All, all a mater of my high school. His mother works in my district office or worked in my district office. Fascinating. Yep. All right. Now let's move on to the American League. Yep. I wonder who you have for winning the AL East. Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. Well, I think that makes sense. I am impartial. I am impartial. Well, I think the Mets actually have the potential. I think the Mets actually will win the NL, the NL East, regardless of my fandom and hatred of the Atlanta Braves. And I could say that I love, I love the New York Yankees and I think they're going to win the AL East. I don't think they're going to win the AL East. I don't. I think the Blue Jays win the, win the AL East. I don't have them even finishing second in the AL East, the Yankees. No, it's probably going to be Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, or Red Sox. That's correct. That's how I have it. Blue Jays win the AL East. I mean, that team is just loaded. Yes, Absolutely they loaded. Are. They are. And the crazy thing about that team is that somebody who has some solid upside, who may or may not be actually good, but who barely played for the Blue Jays last year is Kevin Biggio. Mm-hmm. Which is why they're able to move on from Marcus Simeon so easily because they had Kevin Biggio coming back. They have Bo Bichette there. They have the, the oh my God, the pitching that, that Toronto has. I mean, that, that rotation is just so deep. And we'll, I get, know. we'll, get, we'll get to the pitching more in, 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 in just a second. And they have, they have Vladdy. This team, yeah. yeah and they built. traded for Rymel Tapia, who yep. is really underrated in Colorado. 
Agreed. Agreed. Blue Jays, winners of the A-list. Who yeah. do you have? Who do you have? Blue Jays? I have Blue Jays. Okay. The Rays are going to give them a run for their money, though. I agree. I agree. I think, again, I think the Rays are just being slept on way too much. This happens every year. Happens every year. Exactly. Every freaking year. We sleep on the Rays, and they just manage to pump out 85 wins like it's their job. And frankly, it is. It is. It is. They're, they're, they are paid to, to win 85 games. Yes. Well, and then anything else is just gravy. Correct. Anything else in there is gravy. I think the AL Central might be a bit easier for you. This is easy. White Sox. Yeah. Definitely the White Sox. But I think the Tigers are going to be a steady team in second place for, for the AL Central. And the Guardians, I just feel so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually very, very, very close to, to putting Shane Bieber in as my potential Cy Young winner in the American League. I was very close to doing it. And I was, also, is... I was also very close to putting Luis Robert to win AL MVP. That's an interesting shout. Bold take, bold take. I I think if he if he could be healthy, the the kid's got star written all over. Yeah, I I really do just feel bad for Cleveland. I mean, they're owned by a Dolan, so I I understand they're, they're cousins actually. Of, yep, yeah. they are. So that explains why the Guardians have sh- such shitty ownership. Yeah, fair. it's genetic apparently. It is. It runs in the family. But yeah, I think it's the White Sox with the Tigers in second place. I think it's the White Sox with the Twins in second place. All right. And then the West. You want to say it on three? One, two, three. Texas Astros. Houston. <laughs> yep. Astros. Houston. Astros win the West. Easy. Uh, wild cards. The wild cards for me are going to be the Rays, the Red Sox, and uh, the third wild card spot is going to be a goddamn bloodbath. I think it's going to go to Seattle. What? What? Rays, Yankees, Red Sox. I don't know. There's No, there's no way. At the Mariners of being in the Yankees to the last wild card spot. No. Yankees will get in. Yankees will get in. I'm comfortable inside that. Well, it is, this has been recorded, so we will see. I, I am comfortable. In October. Comfortable in saying that the Yankees will get in. Yankee, the Yankees, I have projected as a 90 win team. The. Mariners, I have projected as an 81 win team. I think your projections might be sleeping on the Mariners a little bit. I think there's a second place team in the AOS. I think it's, I think it's the Angels. Really? Well, if, you, you're if, assuming a lot if, of things. If they can keep it together. You are big assuming if. a lot of health with the Angels. Big if. Big, big, big if. If they can keep it all together. And think about this. The teams in the AL East, those four teams are going to be killing each other 
for 162 games or or like half a season's worth of games are going to be killing each other. For the AL West, especially if the Angels just shit the bed again, the Mariners and the Astros are going to be beating up on the A's, Angels, and Rangers for the entire season. The Yankees games because the Mariners could be very important. And and I'm we have had very good success against the Mariners in the past. Okay. So I'm 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 rolling with the Yankees over the Mariners, but I am I am definitely concerned given 60% of the Yankees lineup is probably not going to be able to play if the Yankees have to go to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays because 60% of the Yankees are not vaccinated. And I'm not Still? sure I'm not sure I'm not sure if that's the exact number, but a a significant chunk of the Yankees and the Mets for that matter are uh, are not vaccinated. Hence why yeah, uh, hence why there was some uh, outside pressure, let's say, to uh, ease the uh, the COVID mandate for athletes in, in New York. Yep. Well, I'm excited because the Mets finally, I mean, for the first time in three years, the Mets aren't playing the AL East. So we actually get to, we haven't played the AL West in like four years. So I am very excited. I don't even know who the Yankees, who the Yankees are playing. I think it's, I think it's the NL Central. I think. I think it is also. I think it's the central. I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, I went to a Mets. I went to a Mets Days game once. It was great. Chris Young hit like two homers. Love Chris Young. Great, great. guy. Yeah, he's great. Great guy. Loves not being the pin, not the pitcher. Being a Yankee. The outfielder. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Chris Young. Yeah. Chris Young, the outfielder. Great, great Yankee. Great guy. But Chris right, Young, the pitcher, is also great. He's a he's a behemoth of a human being. That's what he is. A mammoth of a human. I guess you could say that. I've I've heard it described. Mammoth of a human being. Uh, you want to do uh, World Series picks, or you want to do AL MVP and then uh, AL NL MVP and then AL NL Cy Young? Well, we're already here. We might as well do the World Series. All right. So I have in the ALCS. I have the Blue Jays over the Yankees in six. I have the Dodgers over the Braves in five, and in the World Series. Cue the music, cue the, the drum roll. I have in seven games the Toronto Blue Jays over the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's going to be a hell of a pitching matchup, World Series. Oh, yes, it will be. Pitching yes, and lineups. I'm going a bit outside the box. But outside the box, the popular pick would have been the, would have been the Dodgers. But I'm going to say the Blue Jays get it done. They win in seven games. They bring the World Series back to Toronto. Canada sees a World Series once again before they see a Stanley Cup. Oof. Who would have thunk it? Well, haven't they seen like three World Series before a Stanley Cup? Well, they, they last won a Stanley Cup. No, the last Stanley Cup was 90... No, three. Wasn't that... no wasn't... was it 93 when, when the Canadians beat the Kings? Yeah. Yeah, 93. When did the Blue Jays win the World Series? Was it? Oh, no. It was earlier. No. My bad. No, it was earlier. Yeah, it was earlier. I think it was like 91, 92. Yeah, it was early. It was around that time. But, yeah, the Stanley Cup the Stanley Cup in 93 was the last major sports trophy that went to, uh, that went to Canada. No. The Raptors won the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. forgot about that. Yep. Fair point. And Toronto FC won the MLS Cup. Ah. Uh, 
Yeah, MLS. I think they won it twice. MLS, who cares? Who cares? So what? Who cares? Uh, what's your World Series pick, Adam? Um, I think the Dodgers... Oh, this is going to pain me. But the Dodgers beat the Mets in seven games in the NLCS. Okay. And I have the Blue Jays beating the Red Sox in the ALCS in six games. Or actually, no. I have the Blue Jays beating the Rays in the ALCS in six games. Okay. So Dodge. Dodgers, Blue Jays again. I think the Dodgers win the World That's, Series over the Blue Jays. Not a bad shot. Not a bad shot. I know my people, my people in LA won't be too happy with me with uh, with my uh, with my pick there. So I, I mean, that lineup, to my LA people. That lineup is just too good. It's really good. It's and really, the pitching really staff lineup. is just too good. See, I would even make. I, I could make a case that maybe Toronto's pitching staff, maybe specifically in their rotation, might be might be deeper than the Dodgers. I may make that case. I don't know. It may. May. I mean, they could be the Dodgers getting Dustin Maybach at some point is going to be huge for them. for them. Big for them. Yeah. And they have they have Arias. They have Walker Bueller. Uh Kershaw is a big question mark. And then of course Trevor Bauer, that question mark. But I mean he's not going to play for the Dodgers ever again, is he? I don't think he's ever going to play baseball for anybody ever again. And I hope he doesn't because fuck him. I don't. I mean, I think he probably will, but it's got to be, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they would do it. Matt, that would just be a real, honestly, anybody who would just try and bring on Trevor Bauer, it's like a PR nightmare waiting to happen, quite honestly. Well, you know, if it worked for the Browns, then you could do it. Apparently, you could do anything if you're good enough at, at the sport that you play. Fair point. That's a that's a fair point. NL and AL Cy Young, and then NL and AL MVP. You want to go with Cy Young first? Sure. Sure. I'm down. All right. Who do you got in the NL? Uh, NL Cy Young, I have the aforementioned Walker Bueller. Good shout. He's a really, really good pitcher. I Very like underappreciated. Him. I Very like watching underappreciated. And he gets no run support in his outings. None. Oh, I don't know what that's like. Sorry, I know that was a little bit too too close to home for you. But yes, Walker Bueller and El Young winner. Very, I was very, very close to putting Scherzer. Very close. But I decided to go with, uh, with Walker. Well, if he pitches a full slate of starts, how can it not be DeGrom? Yeah, if he pitches a full slate of starts, then then yeah, he's got to be up there as one, as one of the favorites as well. I just don't think he's going to. But if not, then it's probably going to be Scherzer or Walker Bueller, just because Max Scherzer's so unbelievable in the yeah. way that he works and how he pitches, that he just gets better with age, which is nuts. Yeah, a sleeper pick for NL Cy Young, too. Uh, I mentioned him before, uh, Corbin Burns. Well, I mean, is he that much of a sleeper when he won the NL Cy Young last year? Well, I'm, I'm saying that he could come back and he could do it again. I don't think anybody's talking about him now. Everyone's talking about Bueller. Everyone's talking about Scherzer. Everyone's talking about the Grom. Kind of the guy that won it last year. 
and maybe his teammate as well, Brandon Woodruff. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll die on the hill again. I think he's, he's an unbelievable pitcher. Uh, Jack Flaherty as well. St. Louis. Jack Flaherty. That's a good one. Uh, hey, Jack, he, Jack Flaherty. I feel like he's good. He just missed a lot of time last year. That also. was it. That was it. Yeah. He started, he started well, then he just fell off and then he had the one injury and it just killed him. I think I even said it last year too, when I did this with Jake, that Jack Flaherty could be a uh, surprise. I actually think I said him to be NLCI. Uh, I said Jack Flaherty. I mean, another guy who could possibly win NLCI Young, a member of the tribe, Max Free. Mm. That's a great shout. It's a great shout. And Aaron Nola, also- Aaron Nola potentially too. Well, Aaron Ola, I don't know. I feel like Aaron Ola's best years might be behind him. But Zach Wheeler, though. Potentially. Potentially. But I, I love the Max Fried shout. I love that shout. I hope he's good in all of his starts, except for the ones where he's going up against the Mets. Member of the tribe. Member of the tribe. Love Max Fried, except for when he plays the Mets. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. So I think we talked about this before, but like, the Braves, like, I don't like the Braves because obviously rivalry, but I don't hate the Braves as much as I hate the Phillies or the Nationals or even the Marlins. They're very likable. They're very likable, Atlanta. You know, like, obviously I get it with the John Rocker era stuff because also, fuck him. Like, legitimately, fuck him. Wow. Tell us how you really feel. John Rock, you... Really? You like you're about to be like a John Rocker apologist? Oh no, 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 no. I'm not being a John Rocker apologist at all. I'm just I'm just saying. Tell us how you really feel. But yeah, it, it's just not I don't know. The Braves are a likable team just because they have a lot of fun and like it sucked having them win a World Series because obviously they're big rivals, but they are they're a likable team. You know, they have a lot of young faces and very marketable young faces for baseball. But anyway, besides the point, A.L. Cy Young, I will go first. Go ahead. A.L. Cy, can you imagine if Zach Greinke won AL, wins A.L. Cy Young for the Kansas City Royals? Be very funny. It would be very, also, very, very funny. They just la- they just vote him in as a joke. Be really funny. I would love that a lot. Um, AL Cy, Young, AL Cy Young is a bit tougher. I think Kevin Gosman for the Blue Jays. Because I think that baseball writers are old fucks who care about wins. And the Blue Jays are going to give Kevin Gosman all the run support he needs. And Kevin Gosman is going to rack up those wins. And, you know, his ERA is probably going to be good. But the wins... If he wins 20 games or 23 games, even he's going to win the Cy Young. He's a lock. It's funny because I went with his teammate, Jose Barrios. Ooh, that's a good one. Went with Jose Barrios over Garrett Cole. Over Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is a good shout, also. He, he's going to be the favorite. He's- He's going to be the favorite. Top, he's going to be top three, probably. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm not saying Garrett Cole's going to have a bad year by any means, but I agree. I think uh, the, the writers are all fucks, and they're going to go with 
the numbers that pop. Wins, strikeouts, innings pitched, whip, ERA, and we've seen Garrett Cole have some uh, have some hiccups. And I mean, let's be honest, that's probably why Robbie Robbie Ray won the Cy Young last year is because he racks up a lot of strikeouts and gets a lot of wins. Fair, and he and he also plays in a very pitcher friendly ballpark in in Toronto, where in uh, in New York, it's not exactly the most pitcher friendly of uh, of places. Granted, he only played in that pitcher-friendly ballpark for half the season. Fair. Fair. Also true. Also true. Although I don't really know. I guess, what's it called? Salen Field? Salen Field in Buffalo? Uh, Salen. Yes. Salen Field. It's a bit of a hitter. It's a bit of a hitter's park. That right? was a hitter's park. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was like a double, that was a double A ballpark. A triple A. Triple A. Ballpark. Triple A ballpark. And then even in Florida, because I think also it's like the factor of Robbie Ray having to deal with pitching in three different ballparks, like three different home ballparks throughout the season. Like no pitcher really has done that all that no. often. No, not, not at all. Yeah. It's just completely rare where he was pitching in Florida in the Blue Jays spring training complex. And I think that in the same way that like hockey goalies, NHL goalies, they care a lot about how the boards are in their home arena and they have to get used to that. And they kind of anticipate with their home boards in mind. Pitchers do that with fences also. I mean, obviously they can't control it as much where it's like, well, I pitched. So he, so this guy could pop out of the warning track, but maybe if you're playing in a park like Yankee stadium, you're not going to be as crazy with uh break with breaking balls as you would be if you're playing in, you know, spacious ring central Coliseum in Oakland True. or even in Seattle, which is also an incredibly pitcher friendly ballpark. Yeah. I think it's the most pitcher friendly ballpark in, uh, in baseball. I think it's that. And I think it's uh Safeco out in uh, San Diego. No, it's Petco. Petco. Yes. Thank you. And it was, I knew it was a co. I was like I Safeco. Was- I'm like, you just named two. Cause Safeco was the old name for, Seattle Stadium. For Seattle, yes. Because yes. now they're T-Mobile Park. Yes, T-Mobile. Terrible. We- weird yes, name. Petco. Petco. Ugh. Petco Park. Yeah. Well, you were talking. You were talking about the Mariners. I was. So I got them. I got the confusion. They both. They both have Co. Just give me a break. I will. Give me a break. And, and and it's ten o'clock, and I'm I'm also I'm a, a sleepy boy. All right. So then let's make this quick. Yep. AL MVP. Vladdy. It's got to be Shohei again. It cannot be like, he's amazing. He's a unicorn. It's not like the novelty wears off after a year. I got another bold prediction for you. Ready for this? What is it? Vladdy Guerrero Jr. wins triple crown. Again? Well, didn't he do it? He didn't do it last year. No. Oh. He wins triple crown. Bold prediction. He's the first player to win the triple crown and not win MVP. Come on. He wins triple crown. He's winning MVP. Well, I guess this is like the the whole Miguel Cabrera versus Mike Trout argument. Where Mike Trout probably should have won MVP in 2012, but Miguel Cabrera hit hit for the triple crown. So he won MVP. Yeah, that was the last that was the last uh guy to hit for to uh have the triple crown because the guy the last before that was i believe it was 
Was it Frank Robinson? Or no, or was it was it Yastrzemski? It was Yastrzemski. I don't know off the top of my head. I think it was Yastrzemski in 60. Because at that point, it was 55 years. No, 45. 45 years since the last Triple Crown when Miggy won it. And that was 2012. So, yeah, 67. 67 was Yastrzemski. All right, then. I think Vladdy does it. I think he wins ALMVP. I think Shohei wins just because of all that Shohei does. Mm. I, I I also just uh, am not, I'm not a Shohei guy personally. I mean, he's a, I think if you had, if you separated the two, Shohei as a hitter is way better than Shohei as a pitcher. Probably, probably. And, and you're also banking on a guy to repeat as MVP, which hasn't been done since the aforementioned Miguel Cabrera in 21 and 2012 and 2013. So it's also a, a big, a big ask, but if anybody could do it, it's, it is, it is Otani, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Vladdy. All right. By the way, the Rangers game is headed into overtime. Perfect. Let's finish this up so I can go watch the, the end of the Ranger game. Chris Kreider scored his 46th goal because, Captain. oh my God. Captain. What a guy. What a guy. Love him. And the Knicks lost. Who cares? I've I watched the Knicks since we fell apart against Brooklyn. <sighs> so, NL MVP. Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Good call. Would have been Tatis if Tatis was going to be healthy. He's not going to be healthy. So, it was down to Juan Soto and uh, Ronald Acuna. And I decided to go for Soto. See, the thing is, the BBWA is very partial towards guys on terrible teams. And Juan Soto might be on a really bad team. Uh, yeah, I think they're probably going to be last in the NL East. I think, you, I think it's going to be – it's not like the NFL where it's like, here's the best player on the best team. It's more like, uh, here's the best player on a really good team, like on, on a playoff team. So I think that eliminates somebody like Juan Soto, even though Juan Soto is amazing, one of the best players in the National League. But I think the sheer fact that the Nationals are going to be terrible, he's not going to win an MVP, even though he might deserve it based on stats alone. I think he's going to. I think he's. I think he is going to. Okay. And who's your choice? My choice for MVP. I'm not going to pick a player on the Mets. God. Okay. Good. Good, you scared me. You had that little smile on your face. You're about to be cute. No. Um. Hmm. This is interesting because there are a lot of contenders for MVP, and you know a couple of guys on the Braves, like Matt Olson and Acuna, and you also have the Dodgers guys with Freeman and. Maybe Bellinger returns to something. Probably not, but we'll see. You know, it be interesting if Trey Turner wins MVP. That'd be a super outside-the-box pick. That is an outside-the-box pick. Yeah. Unconventional, or, but I like or it. Or maybe, maybe even a pitcher wins this year, just because Oof. pitching is so good in, in the National League. Bold. 
bold. So who's, like, your, who, who's your pick? I think it's going to be Trey Turner. I think it's going to be Trey Turner. Okay. Not a bad shot. Not a bad shot at all. Just as a dark horse guy, because you could easily yeah. pick Acuna or, I mean, probably not Tatis because he's only playing half the season. You pick Freeman there just because he's he's very good. And I think somebody like Chris Bryant, his MVP days are kind of over, and he's also going to be – it's going to be like Juan Soto where he's going to be on a shitty team, and it's just not going to work out for him. Yeah, to me, when I was doing this, there were three candidates jumped off the page. It was Freeman, Acuna, and the eventual winner, Soto. And even, like, got, if the Cardinals have a really good season, like a really, really good season, like winning the NL Central season, you could probably make a case for Nolan Arenado to win the MVP. And the Rangers and the Rangers just scored Artemi Panarin, 5-4. We win. Love it. God bless. See, you know, I'm happy that you didn't name anybody. You know, Luke Voigt might win the MVP. God, no, I would throw up. I would absolutely throw up. All right. Well, I know we were talking about the Star Wars mailbag, but we're going to have to save that for next time. Please, we're, God. We're, we're not talking about a million different things because this podcast has been long enough. Yeah, it's be a three-hour podcast if we, if we do Star Wars mailbag right now. Yep. Even though I am excited for Star Wars questions, and you know it's funny, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I have watched clips of this and I've played the Lego version of it, but I've never actually seen Attack of the Clones all the way through. What? Yeah, that's criminal. Uh, no, criminal would be watching Attack of the Clones all the way through. Okay, fair, fair point, fair point. I could, I think, I, I can only say I've watched Attack of the Clones all the way through maybe twice. Although, can I say that it's criminal to watch it? Because I don't know if it's good or not. I don't know if it's good or bad because I haven't watched it all the way through. True, true. You are not you are not uh, permitted to to speak to speak about this issue. But I know the highlights, and like the highlights of the uh, of the episode are really good. Where you have the fight in the arena and um, Count Dooku and everything else that happens there. But you know, and the memes. Oh, gotta we love, love the memes. memes. We love the memes, but there is no there is no more memeable movie of Star Wars than Revenge of the Sith, as previously mentioned. Yeah, fantastic. Only one specific part of Revenge of the Sith, also. Well, hello there. Did you uh, like the, the Obi Wan impression? I did. Ah, uh, the negotiator. Ah, uh, the negotiator. <laughs> so funny. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. For my co-host at Birdsell, I'm Adam Castor, and we'll talk to you next time. I need love to go you. eat dinner. Yeah, I need to go eat dinner. I need to fall asleep. Love you guys. Bye-bye.